Thank you for joining us on the CFF Podcast. Today, Pastor Pablo Martinez will be inspiring you with a message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. Because we believe that every single Friday is the Formation Friday for most people. Friday is when they make the stupidest choices, the dumbest choices in their life. It's on Friday nights. When people end up regretting hurting themselves with a big headache on Saturday morning, not knowing where they were. I had a friend, a friend who got pregnant on Friday night and she didn't know who the dad was. Now she had a dilemma. Do I kill the baby or do I go through with this and my life will forever change? Friday nights, for most people, is deformation Fridays. Well, I want you to give a round of applause to the person next to you because they're forming the lives in Jesus Christ this Friday night, right now. Here's the thing. I don't know. If you guys can hear me, this mic sounds a little weak here. I don't know if I have returned. If you can help me out with that. You guys are going to do something amazing, amazing in, in, in about a few moments. Um, you're going to be receiving some words that will help you uh, challenge uh, the status quo. Meaning, the way that you've been living, after today, you will have the option to disobey the word of God or to obey it and see your life transformed. I say this, no one, no one in this world, no one in this world can say, I didn't have options. Everyone has options. Everyone has options. All of you are highly gifted. Every person in this room is highly gifted. Each one of you has been literally granted seeds of greatness. God has put seeds of greatness in each one of your lives. I heard one said that you can count the seeds in an apple, but you can never count the apples in one seed. So, okay, I could f count five apples in this, in this in the, you know, five seeds in this apple. But you don't know how many apples will come out of one single seed. I don't know what's inside of you. All I know is who put it there. And the one who put it there is amazing. It's great. It's incredible. His name is Jesus. Amen? He is the tree of life. He is the one who gives us all. Listen, if you are here tonight, I need you to know there are incredible seeds in your life. Incredible seats of greatness. I don't care where you come from, what you've done, or what's been done to you. There are seeds of greatness inside of your heart. Here's the crazy thing. That the greater the seed, the greater the struggle. The higher of importance is your seed, the more Satan's going to try to take your seed. He's going to try to take your mind, your heart. He's going to try to make you violent, resentful, self-centered. Or maybe with a low self-esteem to where you think you can't do jack. You see, God designed you to be just like him. The Bible says that you've been created to his likeness and to his image. I was just being ministered by Pastor Caesar, my pastor whom I love. And he was talking to a bunch of pastors. Can we give Pastor a round of applause? He is amazing, amazing. Just one nation out of one of his 12 is doing that in Philippines. I don't even want to talk about Russia, man. It is insane. What God is doing throughout the world is amazing, amazing, man. It is beautiful. Man, I was with the pastor from Brazil, Pastor Lao Jair. Incredible what God is doing in Brazil. In Mexico, man, what God is doing in Mexico in the vision and in Chris's life. It's amazing. <laughs> you see, every single one of us in here have to understand that God deposited seeds of greatness inside of us. But Satan hates you. Because here's what happens. You've been created to his likeness and to his image, Right? Likeness speaks of, of the way you look. It's the outside appearance. An image is that imago Dei. It's the image of God in you. Meaning, I know we are created to look like, like the Lord. Like the Lord designed us to be. So when people see you, they're like, man, I could tell that you're different than, than a dog. 
Make sense? Like there's something about you that screams out royalty. You know, this, this, week, this week I ate some, something called balut. Anybody know what balut is? Yeah, it's awesome. It is, it is an embryo, like a chicken embryo, and you crack it and you just eat it. I was like, hey, when you're in Rome, the next day I was going to go eat puppy. But I said, my, my disciples are going to hate. Amber's going to like leave the church if I do that. I'm not going to go eat dog. But it was really awesome. It was it's a delicacy, you know. Every, every culture is different. I mean, Mexicans eat like brains and eye. So, and it's, don't, be, don't, be, don't be knocking, all right. And Americans, hot dogs ain't that clean either, so I'm just saying. Okay, anyway, anyway, so, so one of the things that I realized is this, is that, okay, all these animals you could eat, but there's an image play, plastered in you. You got to respect that. The person next to you has an image, and it's the image of God. You see, when you were born, when God created you, you already like Christ. You already, you have the, you bear that likeness, that resemblance to him, but do you have the image of God? The likeness of God. Are you both? Let me clarify that because I get confused sometimes and then I confuse you guys. Image of God is the way you look. Likeness is the way you're like that person. Oh, you're so much Christ-like. You're Christ-like. What does that mean? What does a Christ-like person look? How do they look? Right? Of course, the image I already told you, Satan hates you. He can't, he can't stand you because you remind him of your dad. And he cannot hurt your dad. His name is the Lord. And he cannot touch, man, he cannot touch the... Does that make sense? You can't touch nothing on the Lord. So he's going to go after his kids, which is you. Right? Because you remind him of him. You have that you have the image of God. But the likeness of God is where he attacks you. He can't do anything about the image. Oh, he could try to destroy it. But inside of you, not outside. Girls, you are beautiful. And now some of you guys, hey, thank you. Thank you, one of you guys, for believing that. <laughs> what if I said, girls, you're ugly. You're like, oh, pastor's right. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Isn't it true? Isn't it true? I say you're beautiful. It seems like I'm talking to the wall. You're amazing. You're beautiful. You're the 2.0 of humanity. God made man, and then he said, nah, scratch it. Let's make it better. Amen? Like, you are amazing. You're incredible. And yet, the enemy attacks your image so much. Yet, what the enemy's after constantly is your image. Why? Why is it? Have you ever wondered why is it that the enemy tries to destroy the image of God in you so much? It's because if your image is ruined, you cannot be Christ-like either. Because you're always going to be self-centered, not God-centered. See, what God wants to do is to make you Christ-like. He wants you to be not just looking like God, but being like God. Being a representation of Him on earth. This is what we're after. In this church, we have something called standard or pattern. And this is what we're going to chase after, that every person in this church chases after the pattern, which is Jesus Christ. That is Christ-likeness. Here's the four things we're looking for in every person in this church. And the four things we will be insanely passionate about pursuing. And that is full Christ-likeness in every disciple in this church. Number one, Christ-likeness means you have the mindset, the attitude, the heart, the passion behind it. It is what's inside of you. You are Christ-like. Your life represents Jesus everywhere you go. Christ-likeness, willing to die for others. Christ-likeness, you don't come first. Amen? It means you don't only have, man, you don't only have titles, you have the towels. Now what does that mean? I don't have a title, I have a towel. Meaning I'm not here trying to, oh, Pastor P, Pastor P. I have a towel, I want to serve you. If you're a husband, get rid of the title, start wearing the towel. Amen? This is Christ-likeness. Amen? 
Number two about Christ-likeness is that you have a multiplying ministry. When you look at Jesus' life, he looked like a Filipino. Them Filipino kids, they knew what Jesus looked like. Yet us, our version of Jesus is like, imagine Jesus, all he did on this earth was like, What if Jesus, all he did was that? I don't have a problem with it. That's awesome. But let's take it to the streets as well. Amen? I don't have a problem with praise. Man, I love praising God. I, th- I, don't, I think I haven't stopped. Like the last three days, I've just been praising God so much. I just, I love worshiping the Lord. Whether it's old music, new music, no music, I love worshiping God. I am all about worshiping God. But you know what truly brings honor and worship to God is Christ's likeness. When Jesus was on this earth, he wasn't worshiping worship. He was worshiping the Lord. And you know, the greatest acts of worship I realize is a contrite heart, a broken heart, a heart that says, it's not about me. Lord, what can I bring to you? It's not about me. Here it is, my heart is yours. Check this out. A multiplying ministry is Christ-likeness. Break your mindset of a cheesy Christian that a Christian, that real Christian, listen to this, okay, a real Christian multiplies. Demons cannot multiply. Angels cannot multiply. You can multiply. Get that through your heart. Demons cannot multiply. There's already the third that fell from heaven. That's it. No more, no more, no more demons. That's the amount. You get that? You have the power to give life. You have life in you. You have that transformative power which is inside of you. That is a river of life that can come and bring life to other people. Georgie, come up here real quick. Come on. Georgie, Georgie, Georgie. I, this is improvised, completely improvised. Something happened at work today. Just You have like literally 30 seconds to share what kind of life was coming out of one of the 12 in the church. All right. So what do you want me to share? I don't know. I just heard something cool happen. So oh, okay, like, yeah. Out of so many things, I got picked. So my director from work, um, we just had a random meeting, and I walk in there, and she's uh, talking to me about um, just something that had happened, and then she mentioned, oh, you know, and then Buddha... Um, Buddha did this. She she told me like a little analogy about Buddha, and I was just like, okay, am I gonna like just let her continue to think about Buddha, or am I gonna introduce her to my God, right? <clears throat> so I said, okay, let me ask you something. Uh, her name is Maria. She's probably watching now. Uh, I was like, Maria, um, why do you worship Buddha, or what is it about Buddha that that you? Like, um, worship. And she said, well, he was so wise. He got, he was just so wise that he can just speak to people. And he was just so humble. And he was just so this and so that. I said, okay, um, what is your favorite food? And she was like, chiles rellenos. She's Mexican. And I was like, um, okay, I was just like, let me just put it to you like this. I said, um, when you go to a restaurant and you try the best chiles rellenos of your life, and you're like, you want to invest so much time, and you're going to devote your life into finding out who, what, what um, they made those chiles rellenos with, what they put in it to make it taste so good. Um, you, and you're going to devote your entire life in that, but you're going to completely ignore the person who cooked that chile relleno. I said, who do you think gave Buddha the wisdom? I said, who do you think gave Buddha life, the air that he breathed? And she was just like, well, um... Now that, I mean, I've never thought about it like that, you know, but, um, but, and like, I was just like, you know what, I'm not here to convince you that you're wrong. I said, I'm here to convince you that my God loves you. And I said, and that's what I preach. I said, I don't preach a religion. I said, I just want to witness to you about what God has done in my life. And she started crying. Like, 
So she started crying. Like this little 15-minute huddle just turned into like an hour and 20 minutes. Wow. And she shared with me like how her husband yeah, yeah, had yeah. been married with her and how she, he yeah, ended up being yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything. And to the point where like it was lunchtime and then I was just like, hey, um, you know what, we'll continue this conversation later. But, I'm a, but I'm a, <laughs> I was just like, hey, priorities, you know. I was like, uh, <laughs> but um, I just said, hey, you know, like I know that we're not supposed to be discussing things like this at work. But I just said, but, you know, I said this right here, my, my job. I said, this is just something that I do. I said, but this is not my calling. This is not my purpose. Wow. And I said, and I'm going to pray for you, Maria. And then she, she just looked at me, and she, she wanted to hug me, but it's kind of like, you know, I'm like, okay. <laughs> but that's it, guys. Yeah. We're going to edit that out from the, from the live feed, all right, from the Instagram thing. We're getting in trouble and stuff. Uh, but listen, that's life-giving. That is Christ-likeness. What is not Christ-likeness is pretending like the boss didn't say anything and like you're an undercover Christian for 15 years. It's a multiplying ministry, right? It's someone who multiplies the character of Jesus in other people's lives. That is Christ-likeness. Number two, right? Number three, another thing that's Christ-likeness is having his team. Jesus formed 12 people. When he was on this earth, he blessed the multitudes, but he was so clear about forming his 12 if you're brand new to this church, I am so glad you're here tonight because at least you get to hear the real deal. You get to realize that Christianity is not an ATM for you, that it maybe it'll just get even harder, that things get tough sometimes. When you decide to give your life to Jesus, Satan doesn't just stand on the stands like, yeah, woo, He tries to tear you apart. He hates that you're no longer serving him. You see, it is there when you realize, man, this has been real all along. He's just been trying to hide it a little bit so I don't realize it. This is something amazing, amazing. I need you to hear this out. Jesus, when he came to this world, he multiplied his character, yes, but he also did it with specifically, specific 12 people. He chose 12 guys that he would pour his heart and that he would share his mission, his vision with those 12 men. When one of them died or actually killed himself, Jesus knew and they knew that that man needed to be replaced. Because it wasn't until they were complete that the Holy Spirit of God was able to come in the Pentecost and fill the team up. Listen to what I'm telling you right here, right now. Don't you for just a second assume that it's okay to just come to church, listen, and worship. You were meant to give life and life abundantly. You were meant to reproduce the character of Jesus. And some of us would say, yeah, well, how does that look like? Don't worry about it. We will show you exactly how it looks like. Chris, how long have you been in this church? Two years ago. Could, could the people that come in Chris's cell group stand up for just a second? Chris's cell group stand up for a second. All right. Awesome. Wow. Two and a half years, yeah? All right. Why don't we give Chris a round of applause? Have a seat, guys. And they're all single, too? Mm, all right. All right. We're working there. What's your goal for this year? To get your 12. All right. Now, Chris, you have other things that you do in life. What do you do? Uh, I'm an accountant, do taxes, uh, accounting, bookkeeping, payroll, sales tax, you know. All right, so he's an accountant, right? He's an accountant. He, uh, he, he drives a nice car. He plays soccer. He does all these things. What is your goal? What is the most important thing you're doing this year? Getting my 12th for sure. That's Christ-likeness. Oh, I can do all these other things, and I'll, I'll do it better than the world. But there's a purpose for that. There's a reason for that. 
It's because Jesus came to this world to seek and to save that which was lost. As a matter of fact, he told you and I, therefore go throughout the nations, all the nations, and make money, make music, make church, make chile rellenos, <laughs> make wives, make husbands, make children, make disciples, make disciples. You know my greatest disciple is my wife. It's true. You know why I can say it? Because I have authority in my house because I serve her every single day. I'm not out there barking orders. I'm not out there trying to say machista, you know, you know, right here, my word is law. You know, it's not like that. My wife loves me and I love her. But there's an order in my house and I realize that woman is now today as, as she sits there and, and she's in the room and she's a strong woman, as strong as you'll ever meet. She's a pastor, man. She's a woman of God who is not, man, he's, she's no, she's no softy. But I know that it's my job to make sure she continues on the purpose of God and that our family serves the Lord for generations to come. You see, it is discipleship. The problem with most marriages is that they make it about them and they forget that there's a greater cause. The problem with your job is that it's just that, a job, not a platform to serve Jesus. You see the difference between a George, a Chris... And a struggling Christian who's just trying to make it through the day. I couldn't do my devotion. Of course you couldn't because it's all about you. There's no purpose behind your prayers. Amen? Or oh man. Amen? Some revelation is coming to some of you. You know people around you are dying left and right. High school, colleges. I don't even want to get into it. But it is a sad thing what's happening in the kids. And I say kids because I'm already 37 years old. So anyone below 36 is a kid for me. You know what I mean? Like it's a child, a baby. A fetus. You know what I mean? Like, everyone here, I'm telling you, like, what happens, what's happening in the generation that's behind us is degeneration. Degeneration. And I'm not talking only sexually or, or you know, or, or um, orientations. I'm talking about degeneration of the family. That the family is literally destroyed. Fatherlessness is more pervasive than ever. Brothers are not brothers. They're just enemies. Can't stand each other. You, 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 you say, hell, talk to me about hell. Just go home. Go to my house. I'll show you hell. You see what I'm talking about? It's the degeneration of the family. What can happen? What can change? I've seen nations transformed. This is the second nation I see that's being transformed by the gospel. And I am telling you, it is being transformed. How? Obeying the Bible. Doing what Jesus did. Number four. Number four. So the first one is Christ-likeness in, in character, right? Number three. Number two is multiplying ministry. Number three. G12 leader. Number four, be a three-generation disciple, meaning a three-generation leader. We call it a 3G leader. What is a 3G leader? It is somebody who doesn't stop at 12 but says, now I'm going to teach you how to be everything that God has taught me to do. It doesn't stop with me. Now let's take it to the next level. Let me show you this. If I was just trying to make disciples, then I already made a mistake. It's not about me. They're not my disciples. They're the disciples of Jesus. If I was to make disciples, then that means I have made unfruitful people around me. They're just followers. I don't want followers. We want leaders of leaders. Men and women that will change the world. Amen? I don't know if you know, we haven't even done a winning strategy. This Friday service is blowing up. I don't know what we're going to do in the, in the next month because we won't fit here. We haven't even done a winning strategy yet. We're barely establishing pattern if you haven't realized. Pattern. Okay, some of you guys are like, okay, you're going to lose me right here. I know, just hang on for a second. First you establish a pattern. Then you establish a system. 
a system after a pattern, right? A system is how you're going to achieve that pattern. And in between those two, it's process. The process within the system, you guys, okay, I tapped out. I'm done. Let's go back to all the other stuff, right? But the, we're barely in the first phase. This church is a toddler. It's three years old tomorrow or like on Sunday. You get that, right? Like it's barely up. Now, people say, well, this church has been around for a long time. I know, but we haven't. And we have to have a beginning, a new beginning. So listen to me for just a quick second. Here's the Christ-likeness. If you think life is about you, you'll never make it. I promise you. You will fight according to what you're fighting for. So, for example, uh, Ezekiel, stand up with me for a second. <laughs> All right? So, Ezekiel, let's just say that um, I, dropped a, I dropped a 20, right, on the ground. Okay? All right? All right? So, you were walking by, you know, I'm like, I'm just, oh, well, what's up? Well, you know, walk a 20. Oh, that's a 50. Come on. <laughs> All right. All right. So, so, yeah, it is a 50. All right. Give it back, bro. Uh, and then you say, no, that's my 50. I say, no, that's my 50, man. No, that's my 50. No, no, that's my 50. Uh, so, so we start arguing about it, okay? And let's just say we get in a little scuffle, okay? I'm not going to try to poke his eyes out. I'm not going to bite his nose off. I'm not going to go for the jugular. It's 50 bucks. At the end of the day, it's $50. Some of you guys are like, oh, no, pastor, it's 50 bucks, 50 bucks. You know, I'm like, nah, I'm at it. You know, <laughs> I'm way behind on my Verizon, on my boost. You know, uh, if you realize we're not going to kill each other with 50 bucks, right or not? But I walk by, I'm with my wife, and he's looking at her rubbernecked, and he goes, he goes, mamacita. What would I, that means in English, Gina, right? Now, now this is a little, that's, that's a little more than 50, right? But then he takes another step. How many of you guys know, now he takes it another step further. How are you going to fight? A little bit different, isn't it? Why? Because it's not about 50. It's not about you. Now it's about your family. You'll fight in life for your holiness, for your, for, man, for your Christ-likeness, for your purpose. Who are you fighting for? Honestly, who are you fighting for? Thank you, Ezekiel. Have a seat. I ain't giving you no 50 bucks. Uh, who are you fighting for? Question, really, seriously. They say that your generation is the most self-centered generation. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. I don't think selfies are a gauge of how self-centered you are. Just how misguided sometimes you can be. Let me tell you why. Because you're already approved. Like God already likes you. Like you are so loved. I mean, if you can post them, post them. It's okay. I, honestly, we don't have a problem. Some of us are super funny. Some are super cool. We should start a meme CFF. It is really cool. Yeah, we should do it. Okay. Well, any volunteers want to lead it? You got to have a good sense of humor. All right. All right. Arely, your love language is memes, right? I think that's, yeah. Okay, good, good. All right, great. So, so we should do that. Okay, anyway, but there's nothing wrong with that. But I think you've been called a generation that is the most self-centered generation. And I don't think that's true. I think it's just simply that the previous generation failed you. The previous generation, my generation, failed you guys. And we let you believe that Christianity was about building big churches. And that it was about this big, huge show and the fun, cool singers. And that you don't have to be anything except knowledgeable if you really want to be Jesus-like. And that's just such a bunch of garbage. Because Christ didn't come that you don't, so that you stop telling bad words and, 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 and not drinking as much. And does that make sense? Christ didn't come for that. Christ came for the lost to seek and to save that which was lost. And so let me ask you this. Do you know what you're fighting for? Do you know why we're here tonight? Do you know why you were brought here tonight? 
Maybe you didn't come just because there were single girls or single guys. Maybe you came because God singled you out out of a multitude and said, I want to use you to save a generation that is literally dying and going to hell. Amen? God has picked you. Fabian, where are you at? Fabian, I want to tell you something because I believe you experienced something this week. One of your friends committed or one of your friends was stabbed to death. It's in the news. And he went through a really hard time. And you are seeing what's happening to a generation that has lost cause and lost purpose. We love you and we're going to stand behind you. We're going to help you form your life in such a way. And everyone that experiences pain like that doesn't have to. Because we are the light. We are the salt. This church stands with you. I'm telling you, you know your sister, your brother. I mean, your sister. Listen, the people next to you, they all love you so much. We know you're in pain. But you're not alone. And we're going to do everything we can so that your generation doesn't continue to suffer that way. Amen? Amen? Everything we can so that that doesn't continue to happen. If you don't realize there is a war and some people are losing. There is a war. And if you close your eyes at it, you already lost it. I'm telling you this. The previous generation failed this generation. I'm telling you what the purpose of God is in your life. The purpose of God, I'm sorry to tell you, it is not to get a nice house, 2.5 cars, and 1.5 kids. It is not the goal. The American dream, oh great, is a nice picture. But I tell you what, and I mean it with, whole, with all of my heart. The dream of God is way better than the dream of America. The dream of God is much better than any other dream you could ever go and drive for. Who sold you a lesser dream? Who told you that there's something greater to live for than seeing people literally going to heaven? Who told you that it is better to make money than to make riches in heaven? It doesn't make sense to trade that which cannot be perishable. It is not lost. That which is not going to fade away for things that will not, for things you can't take in even in your coffin. Does that make sense? Who told you there's a, a greater, who really, seriously, we look at, at, at cheesy people on screens, it's all about me and say my name, and I'm looking at these people, I'm thinking, really? I think you see a Christ, how could that appeal to you more than my Jesus? How? How does a self-centered money-glorifying, drug-addicted, how is that possibly your standard? When did that change? And I know I'm not trying to dog them people because they didn't have a leader. They didn't have a father, perhaps. They didn't have somebody that will tell them the truth that you're meant for more than just self-glorification. You're not an idol. You're not God. You suck at being God. You would destroy the world if you were. Does that make sense? No one told them that. You know what they told them? You could be everything you want. Everything you want may suck. Seriously, you know, it is, you know, you may be in the wrong place and you may love being there. It is possible to be going to hell and enjoy it. Did you know that? Like, it really, really is. I know a man who was, a man, he's one of my best friends in high school, divorced four times already. Four times he's divorced. My age, four times he's on his fifth wife. Oh, he enjoyed every one of the affairs. What about his kids? I'm asking you genuinely, who set the standard for you? We need to raise the bar just a little bit. And what's the bar? It's not me. It's not Pastor Caesar. It's, his name is Jesus Christ. What does Jesus look like? He came to this world. He showed you how to live. He showed you the strategy for it. Let me now go to this. How to make your seed grow. Okay, seeds of greatness. Say with me, seeds 
of greatness. Say, I have seeds of greatness. Now, like you believe it, I have seeds of greatness. People will follow your fruit, not your seed. People will follow your fruit, not your seed. They'll follow your fruitfulness, not your seedlessness. Your seedliness. They won't. People will see your gifts and talents, but unless there's fruit, all you are is the guy that used to know how to skate. You ever met people like that? Oh, yeah, I used to know how to skate. No, you didn't. Show me an ollie. I used to. I used to. No, you didn't. You didn't used to speak. Any, no, you, either you do or you don't. See, that's what happens most of the time. We don't realize that the, the seeds that are in you were meant to bless multitudes. There's this, this part of the Bible that says unless the seed falls to the ground and dies, it can never truly grow and multiply. Something has to happen in your life. I'm not saying you should die. I'm just saying some things in you need to die. Things that are killing your future, for example. Things that are destroying your character. But the truth is I can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. I've been a pastor now for almost 20 years. It is nuts. You guys are like, what? Seriously. Same thing I'm saying. What? You know I need somebody to minister to me. I need somebody to confront me. Pastor Lau from Brazil just called me out on some things. I was like, really? I didn't even know. Yeah, yeah, you, you spoke this way and it seemed like you have this and that. I was like, can you come to my room afterwards and pray? He's like, yeah. Then we were in prayer. It was awesome, awesome, awesome. Pastor Lau, if you can hear me, if anybody's recording this, I love you so much. You are an amazing, tall, big brother. He's son of the most high. He's super tall. And man, it was amazing. When he ministered to me, it wasn't making me less. It was making me more. Does that make sense? The first thing you need in order to grow your seeds of greatness in your life so that they could be great fruit. Some of you have experienced poverty, and that's not wrong, but it is wrong to remain in poverty. It's not wrong to be born in poverty. It is wrong to remain poor. Let me tell you why. Because that's stuff that you can be blessing the nations with, your family, your future children with. It is not wrong to have no money now, but it is wrong to settle in that land of poverty. It is not wrong to be small, but it is wrong to remain small-minded. Somebody please say amen. It is not wrong that this church is not yet thousands. It is wrong if we don't fulfill the purpose that God brought us to this earth, and that is to transform California. Amen? It is, come on, give God a shout of praise. Why not? It is not wrong to fail. It is not wrong to fail. It is wrong to think of yourself a failure. Man, it is not wrong to mess up. Now, why I'm saying this, of course, all right, okay, see, pastor says not wrong to mess up. <laughs> Bring it on, right? See, I told you smoking weed wasn't wrong. I told you smoking weed wasn't wrong. Some of you guys just got offended. Like, that's it. I'm, I'm out of here. Peace out. Is you guys still okay? We're still at CFM. <laughs> it got really quiet all of a sudden. Like, oh, he's going to go there. And I brought my weed smoking friend. And he's, it's okay. It's okay. Don't worry about it. It's okay to smell like skunk every once in a while, I guess. I do got to tell you this, honestly, seriously. Weed could never give you what the Holy Spirit can. That is a fact of life. I know if I didn't have the Holy Spirit, I'd be doing everything else. I mean it. If I didn't have God in me, but there's going to be a moment where you'll experience an encounter with God. So I don't blame any of you in here for struggling with what you struggle with. As a matter of fact, can I be very honest with you? I feel deeply convicted as a pastor when I see you struggle. Because I realize I got to do my job better. 
I got to father you in the faith better. We got to multiply our leaders better. Our disciples need to be wiser, more loving, more kind, more intentional about the way they're doing things. It is on me. A great part of it is on me. I just got to tell you that because I don't want you to feel it's all on you. But there's going to be a moment where you'll experience and encounter the spirit of God and the purpose of God over your life. Should you continue to choose the wrong path, then it's on you. After you loved and experienced the love of God, if you continue to believe the lies of Satan, then I'm sorry to tell you it is no longer on me and it's no longer on the person next to you. Some of you are not there at that point yet. You haven't yet gone to encounter. You haven't gone through that process. Go to life class. Go to encounter. There's a process that will change your life. It changed my life and it changed hundreds and thousands and 7,000 churches, 350,000 plus Filipinos. I am not wrong in this. I promise you the process freaking works. Amen? Some people say, Pastor, quit saying freaking because, you know, it's offensive. It freaking works, right? <laughs> it works. It works. I got to tell you, the first thing you need to do if you want to grow your seed is you need to be planted in the right soil. You cannot grow seeds planting them in concrete. You cannot grow seeds planting them in that garbage that, what is that called, where kids are not supposed to get hurt when they fall and there's like a bunch of little, little chips. Sand, the sand, it's not, yeah, or sand, Right? Man, I'm telling you, you cannot grow seeds in the wrong soil. Some of you are wanting to grow, your life to grow. God wants to do great things in you. But you're planting your life in the worst possible soil. If I can say this, should I go there? You're planting your life in doo-doo and you're trying to grow like an oak tree. It won't work. There's not enough nourishment where you're planted. There is not enough nourishment there. It's not conducive to growth and multiplication. Where are you planted? I planted my life in a vision that is much greater than myself. I planted my life in the dreams of God. And so my marriage works. Go figure. So my marriage works. Do you know why? Because I didn't plant my life in self-actualization. I didn't plant my life in an American dream. I planted my life in the dreams of God. And so did my wife. And so as different as we are because we are so different, it works. It really does work. It's actually awesome. I'm more in love with that hot blonde today than I was nine years ago. I love, I want her right now. <laughs> I'm going to stop talking about that because some of you guys are single. You know, but man, I am telling you, there's not more. I love my wife so much. I, it works. She works hard for the kingdom. I work hard for the kingdom. Our kids are not ours. They're borrowed from God, and so we respect them that way. We don't treat them like they're the Lord. Oh, I just want to give them everything I didn't have. No. No, you got to work, buddy, because maybe what I didn't get that I didn't have is what formed me. I don't want you to be deformed, right? It's just your kid becomes your universe. How twisted is that? Now they're God. No wonder they grow up thinking it's all about them. Now, that's a little side note for those of you that are parents, young parents. Plant your life in the vision of the Lord. Plant your life in the right soil. Say with me, plant your life in the right soil. Seed, a good seed will look for good soil. If you, now this is, this was really, really crazy to me. Um, it is, and I said it a little bit earlier, but it is, some people will be planted in the wrong soil thinking they're in the right soil, but it's not until years go by that they don't see fruit and they realize, oh my gosh, this is the wrong soil. It felt really good, but it was really bad. I'm telling you right now, there's one sure soil and that is a dream of God. That is a dream of Jesus. We had people leave this church. Yes, we have. Most of them leave this place because they can't hack it. They feel like it's too much. What do you mean too much? Yeah. 
You mean to tell me I got to stop sleeping around? Mm -hmm. Do you know why? Because there's a future for you. Because if you sleep around with everybody else's husbands, future husbands, when you get to yours, he's going to get a bitten apple, just a little piece, a little cork. There's purpose behind everything we ask for. And it's not me, it's the kingdom of God. Hey, pastor, you know what? You mean to tell me I got to go to training? Of course you got to go to training. You think you could change the world just as you are? Try it. Because if it's not working right now, is that okay? Is that too much for some of you new people? Like, oh, my God, what kind of training? You know, when I played college ball, listen to this. I could not, I could not have the physique of a high school player in a college setting. That sounds like a revelation to some of you. I could not play college ball with a high school body. I couldn't be a pencil neck, because I was a pencil neck in high school, playing DN, defensive end. I was supposed to be huge, and I wasn't. And yet, when I went to high school playing linebacker, I was getting my butt whooped until I started thickening up, growing, getting stronger, training, every day in the weight room, drinking, putting on like four by fours at like midnight. You know what I'm saying? Pounding it in, just growing, growing. It became that life. Because guess what? I couldn't hack it in the next level if I had the previous level mindset. In our lives, it's the same thing. We want to grow, but we don't want to train. Who says that? Training is your happy hour. Training is where you say, I can't wait to get trained. I can't wait to go to the next level. Why? Well, does that mean I won't be able to watch, like, you know, the movies with my friends? No, bring your friends. That's all. <laughs> Why are they the hammer? Why shouldn't well, you be the hammer? Not the nail. You be the hammer, not the nail. Amen? Okay, good. Let's keep going. So that's number one. Number two, not only being rudely, uh, firmly planted, but know when to be planted. The planting is now, not in the future. It doesn't happen tomorrow. If you're going to change your life tomorrow, it will never change. Somebody please agree with me. Amen. Amen. You never start. If you don't have the guts to start today a diet, you won't start it on Monday. That's just the way it is. I've realized that in my own life. You see, I built this home gym out of, of OfferUp, right? So <laughs> I offer up, you know, I buy like cheap stuff, restore it, and I got this awesome weight set. I, some of you guys have seen it. I have like all the dumbbell rack. I have like the bench press. You know, the, the, big, dish, the big plates are there. They're just, they're accumulating a lot of dust so they could get heavier, you know what I'm saying? You know, I'm like, it's not heavy enough. And so I've had it there for at least a month and a half, and I haven't gotten any bigger. I don't understand. Like they don't work. You know, there's something wrong with my weight set because it's not, I'm not getting bigger. That's your mindset many times. Well, you know why? Because I can't start tomorrow. I got to start today. I'm preaching to myself right now. Man, I should be swole by now. But it's a fact. It is a fact. If you want something, you get it now. Man, so many of you become really obedient to your parents once you became a Christian. Like your parents all of a sudden don't want you to go to church, so you start being real obedient now. Where were your parents... At 3 in the morning, when you were driving drunk or being the designated driver, oh, you weren't so obedient then. You weren't so Catholic back then. All of a sudden, you're really Catholic when you got to read the Word of God. How does that work? Some of you guys, pastor came from Philippines angry. I'm not angry. I'm happy. This is me being really happy. It's just telling how it is. Look, I figure if you get offended now, you're going to get offended later. So might as well get it over right now. 
And let's set the standard high. Because later on, you're going to like, where is this coming from, from the beginning? You know, it's like from the very beginning. Now is the time to give your life to God, to be planted in Jesus. Not when things change. Come on. If you got to wait for somebody else's decision to plant your life, you will never plant it. Never plant it. Ever. If you got to wait for someone else, for the, for the stars to align, you'll never, ever, ever, ever quit kidding yourself. It has to happen now. There's no better time to plant your life in Jesus than today. Let me tell you why. Because the longer you spend not planted in Jesus, the longer you wither out. Man, the longer people go without feeding off your life. You know, your fruit will bless people around you. I realized that at some point, it was eighth grade. Eighth grade. Listen, eighth grade, I started reading John Maxwell books. Because I realized, man, at some point, someone's going to have to feed off this tree. I read a Bible. A Bible. It wasn't my Bible. It was just a Bible in my house. And I said, I got to grow. I got to start doing something about it. Now, don't get me wrong. I didn't become a saint. I was messing up all the way through high school. But one thing I knew, one day people will have to eat off my tree. Did you know people around you may be starving unless you actually get fruit in your life? Man, your little brother, your little sister. Maybe it's your own parents or your boss. People need to eat of the tree in your life. Amen? Please say amen. Come on. Let's keep going a little bit more. Next one. Give God a shout of praise. Why not? All right, the last one of these. So first one's firmly planted. And then the next one is, I don't even know how to say it because I come from another nation. Germination. Germination. Is that even make sense? Germination, yeah? Oh, cool, cool. Okay, germination. Some of you guys that grew up speaking English, you're like, I didn't even know that word. It's fancy. All right, germination is that. The, the, okay, let's just talk about this. You have to water the plant, first of all. You have to water the plant. Water means somebody pouring into your life. Who pours into your life? I'm not talking about MTV. Who pours into your life? Dr. Phil, no, Oprah, no. Who pours into your life? Who pours into your life? Do you have a mentor? Do you have somebody who's actually pouring in you? If you don't, you're drying up. You need someone to pour the word, to pour love, to pour affirmation. Sometimes, sometimes you need somebody there just to be there. Man, uh, Colin, are you here? Are you working today? I'm so good at this. Where's Colin at? I am awesome. Okay, I have a gift. If you don't know, stick around. I have a gift for calling on people that are not here. If you don't come next week, even if I know you, I'll call on you. Next week, it's the sermon. It's like, it's just how it works. Uh, it's true, it's true. Um, anyway, Frank, where you at, Frank? Yeah, oh my goodness. He's coming right now. Five, four, three, two, one. Yeah! All right, all right, cool, cool. All right, Frank, so come on over here. What were you, breastfeeding in there or something? <laughs> in the nursery room? Come on over here real quick. Come on over here. All right. Okay, so Frank is one of the sickest musicians you'll ever know. Like, full scholarship to USC to play the bass, and he's working with you guys. So I'm just saying. Uh, he's amazing. He has an incredible marriage. Uh, God's doing amazing things in his life. But um, I, I know, what is the significance? No, what is the significance of being poured into your life? What has it done for you, for someone to pour into you? Where do I begin? <laughs> what has it done? I mean, jeez. Uh, <clears throat> uh, I don't know where to start, Pastor. How about? It's uh, changed my life. Yeah, yeah. Changed my life. Um, we had been, we, before we began to receive from you and Pastor Elney, uh, Alba and I had been married for like two and a half years, and we hated every two and a half years of it. <laughs> and uh, we Alba, is that true? Alba? 
Where's she at? She's for sure going like this. No, yeah, it was really bad. We would, we would argue. I can't, I can't remember a day where we didn't go to sleep, like, arguing. You know, now I've learned that you never go to, you never. <laughs> this is after discipleship. Basically, before we met our pastor, she didn't wear that shirt, and now she... That was not planned at all, I promise. No, but honestly, I, I would go... I can't, I can't think of a, a night that we... Oh, I was going to say, you know, now we know that, that basic marriage rule, like, you don't go to sleep mad, like, you know, but I don't think there was a night where we didn't go to sleep, sleep mad or fighting or angry before, and I would hate it because she always wanted to talk about it, and I would knock out, and she would wake me up at 3 a.m. We ain't done yet, son. <laughs> she, back then, she was forming me before. <laughs> no. um, and uh, I don't know. I mean, I, was, I, was, I felt empty. I felt, like, insecure. I felt like I didn't know how to be a husband. I felt like I didn't know how to even do life, to be honest, you know. And I, was already, I already had been a Christian for five years. I was playing in the worship team at the church, you know. And, and no, Not this one. Not this one. <laughs> you know, we, she was the worship leader. <laughs> she was the worship leader at the church. I, been, I, was, I was playing bass, just, you know, rocking out like I do. No, I'm just and, um, our, <laughs> but there was, no, there was no discipleship. You know, we put on a smile, and, and every, the pastors and everybody else in church thought we were amazing because we were in the worship team. They thought we knew God. You know, we didn't have a relationship with God. We just, we just did religion, you know. We just... Played a played a card, you know, and um, our our lives sucked. And the funny thing is, so, cut me off whenever you want. The funny thing is, our main goal was to be happy in marriage. Like we would like go on vacations, try to do more to be happy in our marriage. But every vacation sucked because we would fight on the first day. And it just made it even worse and worse. And we were trying to like, okay, we just need to focus on like being happy, you know? How many books do you guys think you read? Or she read? <laughs> oh, she read a lot. I didn't read any. I didn't, <laughs> I, didn't read, I didn't read my first book till I was like 25. And I, and I got a bachelor's degree. Hey, come on, somebody. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, and I got a scholarship to USC. Didn't get, read one book. <laughs> no, but. Um, well, let me, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Now your life has changed completely. Uh, if one of you guys could just stand up, if you guys come from Frank and Alba's ministry, if you stand up real quick, Frank and Alba's ministry. Wow, look around you guys, stand up, all right, great, so give them a huge round of applause. Now, there's so many more, there's probably about 30 more at least, you know, maybe, I don't know, uh, Ryan, you're here? So Ryan, and so you have a cell also, that's, how, how many guys are in there? About seven or eight guys, and so he's one of Frank's 12 and so what that means is that's also part of his ministry. Now, check it out. Now, he's grown a lot. Uh, he has a greater heart of a pastor than many, many pastors I've, I've met. And I'm telling you, he's an amazing, amazing man of God. But let me ask you, do you still need someone to pour into your life? Yeah, it's at a different level, but I, in a way, I feel like I need it even more. <laughs> or at least I, I want it more, and I, I recognize my responsibility to, to keep on receiving because now it's not just... Before it was about getting my marriage together, beginning a relationship with God. Now it's about um, what God, not just what he's already trusted me with, but the visions 
and the dreams that he puts in my heart that he, that he wants to trust me with. And if I don't, you know, you can let God's dream inside of you die, wow. you know, or like it, and it's, it's not God's fault. <laughs> and I, and I feel the, the weight and the burden, not in a way that <clears throat> in a bad way, but I feel the burden of like, God wants to do something in all of our lives, in our church, you know, and like, I need to get myself together and get ready for it. El hombre, el hombre. I'll give you 20 bucks later, Frank. <laughs> Just kidding, not planned. Pouring into someone, the key, you need to be poured into. Still under the same point, germination, is sunshine, sunshine. You need... Constant revelation, enlightenment, confrontation. Oh, snap, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's ding. If you're not enlightened, you're in darkness. So if you're not constantly being confronted to light, you think you're just great. You ever been in a place, I don't know if you ever been, like you thought you, thought you were like wearing white, and you're like, yeah, it's my white shirt. And then you stand next to some person that uses bleach and OxyClean, and your white shirt all of a sudden is not so white anymore. You're like, it's like off-white. You're like cream, you know, you're like, what the heck, man? You know what I'm saying? Like this, Ernie's white dress looked beautiful. And then now as the years go by, I don't even want to open that zipper because it may not look as white anymore. What about you? You think you're still doing well until you're confronted with true light. And it hurts. I know it hurts sometimes. Just as when you're in the room in the dark and mama turns the light on on you and you're like, ah, turn the light off. It's the same thing happens in discipleship. Sometimes you won't like it. As a matter of fact, if you like it every time, it's not real light. It's not really challenging you. There must be light that challenges your, your, your darkness in you. For example, who's asking you, how's your sexuality? Hey, how's your purity, man? You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, who's asking you? How are you? Show me your devotionals. Yeah, I do them. Man, reading the Bible verse every day on the Bible app, it doesn't mean you're doing a devotional. Or like... Facebooking, oh, look, that one is nice. Liking, I did my devotion. That's not doing your devotional. It's not seeking after God. I know I'm going a little bit longer tonight, but 8 minutes and 36 seconds are worth it for you, I promise. Listen, you need someone to confront you sometimes and say, okay, let's go. This is why, starting on, on Sunday, we're going to do a devotional all together. We've been working so hard in putting these devotionals where all of us will be doing our devotional. You'll render accounts to your cell leader. Their cell leader will render accounts to us. And I'll render accounts. I've already talked to the pastor, Pastor Janelle in Philippines, that he's going to check us as well. Why? Because I don't want to do something that I'm myself I'm not doing. Now, I am doing my devotionals. But I'm going to get checked just the same one as you. That's called accountability. It's called true work. We work together. Amen. Some of you guys are like, man, I never read the Bible in my life. Don't worry about it. I selected key verses that will help you. They're easy to understand. You're not going to be reading about some like animal with seven heads. Trust me. You won't. It's going to be easy. It's going to speak to your life. All you need to do is do what you've been doing all your life. Just be hard-headed about it. Stick to it. Don't quit. And if you don't do it one day, get back up and do it again the next day. Don't quit on your life. Amen. So that is exposing. Come on. Keep going. Why not? Give a round of applause. The last one, last one, I'm going to finish with this one. Although we have a lot more, I'm going to finish with this one, though. It's fertilize your life. Fertilize your life. Now, I, I, you know, I, I, I preached before about this, that sometimes the, 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 the crap you go through will fertilize your future. Like you've gone through some doo-doo, some hard times. Well, those doo-doo times are also going to help you one day grow further. Check this out. 
I told you guys about the time where I was supposed to pray for somebody. And that man, that guy, his name is Omar, or was, hung himself in the Rose Bowl. And he changed the course of my ministry. That was a hard time for me. It was a crappy time, but that fertilized my ministry. I wonder what things have been fertilizing your ministry. Maybe what you think is really, really bad, like a father who doesn't love, a family who doesn't support your Christianity. Maybe that's also fertilizing. It's strengthening you. It's making you grow. Maybe, just maybe, a bunch of people that will say you're a hypocrite, maybe that's fertilizing too. Instead of you backing out, backing down, say, hey, I'll take that. Put it in my pocket. You know why? Because your Christianity is not worth anything unless you have paid for it. What are you willing to pay for your Christianity, for your love with Je to Jesus? Sometimes you go through tough times. That's one form of fertilization. Second form of fertilization, which is my favorite because it doesn't hurt so bad. It's actually, and it's going to sound really, 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 really hard for you. But receive. Receive. How many books are you reading? Now, even if you don't like to read, there's something called audiobook. The greatest wonder since bread. Sliced bread. Get it? Seriously. I am telling you at least two to three books every single month. Bread. Bread. I can tell you the ones I read this month. The one I'm actually going through right now. I have the hard copy and I have the other copy. I just went through Extreme, extreme Ownership. Great book. Awesome book. I also read again The Tale of Three Kings. Now, I'm The God I Never Knew by Robert Morris. That's what I was going through today, about an hour of that. While I was at the shop fixing some stuff, I was hearing the Word of God. I was hearing not only the Word of God, but I was receiving. Instead of listening to garbage and junk, I'm trying to receive, man. I'm trying to broaden my life. It's called fertilizing. There's weak areas in you. Listen, there are weak areas in your life that are hurting you and those around you. Strengthen them. Eunice, my wife. I love her so much because she knows her weak areas. And you know what she did one time? She used to struggle a lot with, um, with, with her character, with, with being angry. I love that about her. She's a tough one, you know. No pushover. But there's something there that wasn't right, and she knew it. And she started, she heard the sermon one time, and she knew it was for her. I promise you, I saw my wife change from one day to the next. She heard that sermon Five, at least five times. I'm talking about at least five times. I know because I heard it at least five times. I was like, how many times can you listen to Joyce Mary in one day? I'm intense, but that's another level. To be crying, taking notes, same sermon over and over. It's called love has nothing to prove. I remember when she, her life changed. I have a different wife because of that moment in her. She grew in her weak areas. She strengthened in it. Whenever I was trying to help her grow in an area... She said, why do I need to change all the time? It's because you will be better than the ones that didn't change. You're going to get better, stronger. Oh, man, she's gotten better and stronger. I she told me, she kind of threw that back at me not too long ago. She's like, you are the one that needs to change now more. I'm like, yes, yes, honey, yes. Now I'm asking you, are you fertilizing your life? See, because seeds need that. You're not just, listen, listen, please. Don't be reactive to your life. Be proactive. You need someone to help you. What's your program? Whenever you want to grow, you have to have a weight program, a, li a lifting program. Does that make sense? School has a program. What if your school had no program at all? Woo! Just go to lunchtime. I don't know. If, because pizza sucks, right? What would you, what, no program. What is your growth program for your life? We want to help you grow. We want to help you become the professional that God called you to be. If you were a business owner, man, that you kill it out there, man, that you own the business. Does that make sense? That you own the competition, that no one around you, you know why? Because you have integrity, because you know how to serve right, 
Because people actually like you. Because they'll buy from you. Because they actually trust you. Does that make sense? That your marriage will succeed. Not because you can post nice pictures with nice filters. Man, but because there's truth behind those pictures. Come on. Somebody please say amen. Let your life have fruit. That your finances, that you don't have to live in debt. Man, I'm telling you guys, we don't want you guys to be slaves to, to, the, to the borrower. We want you guys to live in freedom. I want that for my children. And so we work for it. I want you to do the same. We want your life to grow. We want fruit to come out of you. The kind of fruit that people say, mm, 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 where are you planted? They say, I'll show you where I'm planted. There's good trees all around that area. If you should plant your seeds there, they too will flourish. Stand up with me for a second. Give God a shout of praise. Why not? He deserves it. Yeah, he deserves it. Come on. Your today is a product of your yesterday. For some of you, that's really bad news. But I got great news for you because your tomorrow will be the byproduct of your today. And that's an exciting thing. Because today, tonight, you get a chance to change. If you change, everything changes. Our standard is Christ-likeness, multiplying ministry, G12 leader, and a three-generational leader. A person who doesn't just think of making disciples, but that says, I don't want you to be a disciple. I want you to be a disciple maker. Somebody who takes it to a whole nother level. I want you to live in holiness. I want you to live in righteousness. I want you to be Christ-like. These four things, we will show you how. We have pattern. We have process. We have systems. We are sharp. We're sharper than ever before. The Spirit of God is moving in this church like you don't believe. Listen, what's happening tonight is ridiculous. It's awesome. We haven't even done a winning strategy in like half a year. I'm telling you guys, we were in a meeting today talking about how much the youth are struggling. I'm thinking, man, we have, the, man, we have an army of people. Man, we are, man, this church is killing it. We haven't even gotten started yet. Like, it's about to go. It's exciting. But for that, first things first is your spiritual walk. Let's walk together. Close your eyes. Let me pray for those of you that haven't given your life to Jesus yet.